Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining in on this week's episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. I want to start off by uh, thanking everyone who supports the show by listening, by watching on YouTube. Um, And I want to remind you all that this podcast is just a small part of what we at the Katinas do with our cousin community. Um, We have a lot of things going on throughout the week, and this is a part of it. And if you're watching and you're wondering, what is the Cousin Community? What, what else do the Katinas do? Uh, the best place to find out more information would be to visit thekatinas.com. Um, and you'll see a little bit more of the things that we have going on here with our ministry um, and within our community. So thanks in advance for doing that. And today I have someone who is, I think we would call him a day one cousin. Yes. Uh, a first time guest on the show. I found out. Uh, late yesterday that we were going to have him here and I was excited because I felt like maybe it's time for some fresh uh, voices here around the table. Um, But I want to give him a chance, Mr. Adam Barda, to introduce himself. Adam, first off, thank you for being here. Um, Absolutely. And I would love if you just introduce yourself to our to our audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what your connection is to the Katinas. Yeah, thank you. It's awesome to be here. Glad you're here, bro. Come on. Man, uh, my name's Adam, and I, uh, I've been, the Katinas have, have been family forever. Absolutely. Uh, we, we go way back, and uh, it's been awesome growing up and just seeing uh, just the, the what, what real family looks like and uh, seeing the family grow. It's been amazing. I'm a worship pastor and a singer, and I, I sing because I, I, I grew up singing with these guys. Whether it was in person in the living room at Grandma's house, or uh, uh, I was telling John a story uh, when I was um, I started interning at my church, and uh, I would have a little disc man in my uh, uh-huh. uh, and I, and I walked. I lived about uh, I don't know three miles away from the church, and so I every morning I was eight, 18 years old. Every morning I walked to the church. And I had my little disc man, and I, w- I would be listening to you guys' records. Awesome. And I would just be learning how to sing all the harmonies, you know, all the, the trying to hit the high notes. and you <laughs> know. But it was awesome. It was actually a time where it, it was a formative time because it was just me and Jesus and the Katinas, yeah. you know, just walking, walking to the church every day. So, um, but the, the music has always been a big part of my life, and, uh, and it's, it's honestly because of, of this family. So, yeah. Let me ask you this. How old were you and where were you when you first met the Katinas in person? Oh, man. I would have been like, I don't know, seven or eight or wow. something. It was crazy. Uh, I think yeah. I, would, I was young. Yeah. yeah. How old are you now, Adam? I'm 41. Oh. Dude, so good to see yeah. you, bro. So good <laughs> to see you. So proud of you. Uh, yeah, Josh, when um, Adam's grandparents, we call them uh, mom and pops, oh, uh, Odegaard is her last name. And before Grandma passed away, Grandma C.I., we, we tell people that she would pray that God would bring other moms into our lives. And Mom Patty, Mom O, was one of the first answers to, to mom's, Grandma's prayers, Mom's prayers. Literally, we had a photo shoot for, a, 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 uh, for one of our cassettes called Thanks. And Pops, Odegaard, what kind of car was that? It was a Model T. Yeah, go ahead, Jess. Model T, and so uh, the photographer thought that that would be a a good background for us to uh, take this photo with. And, man, we took that picture. I remember we had a uh, 8x10 of that shot in our one-bedroom apartment in Tacoma. And uh, people thought we were were the stuff because we were standing in front of a Model T, and that was Pop Odegaard, this car. And so we met Mom and Pops. From that day, from the photo shoot, they invited us for dinner. Now, remember, these were our days back when we were just new in Tacoma. We were on welfare. We didn't know anybody. 
and uh, mom and pops were business owners. I, you know, I, I think maybe they were just middle class. I don't know what financially what they were, but they were the wealthiest people we had ever met at that point. And they were just generous and faithful. And they said, hey, come over for dinner. And if I'm not mistaken, it might be the first time we all had our own T-bone steaks. Yes. Pops Odegaard. And so every time we went there, T-bone steaks. Joe, do you remember it was every other Wednesday? Oh, really? Every other Wednesday, if we were home, they would have us over and we would have steak. So were the young, was young Adam uh, at the house then? Yeah, or? I think um, it could have been the second or shortly thereafter. Um, some of the the kids, um, Adam's mom Dolly, um, Kelly, Debbie, yeah. and Rich, they were all Rich. they're all married, and their kids, which Adam is uh, Dolly's son. Um, we we met you. Yeah, I think you were like seven or eight. One of my first. <laughs> one of my first here we go one <laughs> first memories of adam adam was just he always had the smile that he has right now and uh he just lit up the room and mom odegaard was so proud and is very still, proud still is yeah still is. <laughs> is is proud of all of her grandkids great grandkids does she have great great grandkids she now? does wow, wow. Yeah. but anyways just you know so proud and she would tell us, she said, hey, guys, if you have time, please stick around. Um, my grandson, Adam, he's really talented, and he plays the trumpet for his elementary band. Uh, so we were like, man, after dessert, man, or while we're having dessert, you need to entertain us. So <coughs> Adam pulls out his trumpet, and he, ha- he lays out his notes on the music stand, and he's like, bip <laughs> <laughs> and there would be times on the sheet music it seemed like the whole page there's no trumpet part but he would uh, and we'd all just be waiting right there so adam you did a, you did a four and a half minute uh recital for us man so adam and it was amazing bro it's been over 30 years ago but i think i remember the name of that song what was that king of the force oh. was that it man uh, <laughs> Let's just go with that, right? That's one of them, man. <laughs> one of them. Oh, I, I, man, I don't know why I used to sing that. This is so. Crazy. That was a song you did, yeah. You sing. I used to sing. Yeah, that. You used to sing yeah, I used that. to sing that. And I'll be honest, man. I, his voice would crack. I mean, he was a kid. I mean, it was funny. We'd all be like, "Awesome, Adam." Awesome. That's funny, man. My grandma. I don't have to bring my trumpet every time, you know. So, so Adam, music has been a part of your life, obviously, from a very young age. You were playing trumpet at, what, five, six years old? It, uh, a li- it was a little bit later than that, but okay. yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. Okay. Yeah. So, I love music myself. I grew up in a musical family, but one thing that I didn't get to experience much growing up was I was never part of, like, a school band or, like, what you would call a classically trained sure. musician. I would assume you you would call yourself that. Yes, I studied extensively on trumpet. Okay, um, and and then uh, I did for seven years. I had some amazing teachers. I was in uh, the U Symphony Association of Tacoma, wow. and I was also um, placed in some of the the bands in the in the city that were kind of known for being musical oh. places. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up at uh, Stadium High School in Tacoma. Yeah, A couple of the guys right went here. to Stadium. And tigers. Go yeah, Tigers. Go Tigers. And th- I was also involved in the, the Tacoma Youth Symphony Association uh, during the week. Hmm. I was surrounded by players that were, like, the best of the best, and I had some coaches and teachers that were the best of the best. Wow. And it was uh, around – it was t- towards the end of that seven-year period that I started getting involved uh, in youth group. I, all I was was a trumpet player. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really sing. I mean, I did kind of – walk into the church or whatever, you know, singing, but nobody knew that I could sing. And um, uh, the youth pastor uh, said, hey, we need a keyboard player for the, the worship team. And I said, I don't play keyboard, but sure. And so people would leave um, the church. Uh, after, after the church was all done, I would sneak into the little piano room, and I would, like, figure out how to play the, wow. play the chords. <clears throat> and so I was, I was 
trained in trumpet, mm -hmm. uh, but I was kind of self-trained, kind of applied some of that in some of the other stuff. Um, and it's an interesting story, um, just kind of uh, came to my mind here. Um, I it was at a, a kind of a crossroads because I had my whole life was trumpet. Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a plan. I was gonna go and um, and be uh, you know in some symphony somewhere, and that was that was the plan. And I had honestly the people around me that could help me get there. Mm -hmm. But there was there was always this there was always this um, this hovering thing over my life that I knew that I was called to ministry. Mm -hmm. And so in my heart at the time, because I was going through some things at home and there was just a season in my life where uh, I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. I was kind of moving more and more towards, you know, being a professional trumpet player, but there was actually a, um, uh, a moment that had happened in the middle of that season where your brother David uh, was, was singing at a Samoan church in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And every time he'd come to town, we'd always have him come over and pray over our house, and we'd spend time with him, and our family called him Pastor David, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, uh, I didn't even, I don't even remember what was being said, because uh, it was in Samoan, mm -hmm. obviously. I don't know even what he was preaching about, but he played the trumpet, and he sang, and he preached, and I'm like, I want to be like that guy. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to figure out how to reconcile, like, the music training, like yeah. you're talking about, and then also... This thing where, man, I love Jesus and I, I like doing music in church, but I don't really want, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. So I remember that night, um, uh, Pastor David was, was preaching, and I felt like the Lord told me to come to the altar. It was like my own personal altar call with the Lord. Wow. So this happened twice. I'm going to get to the next one in a second. So this happened, uh, so I come forward, and it was like in that moment, I didn't have somebody praying with me, but like I knew that I needed to do that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was supposed to be in the ministry. Mm -hmm. But, you know, walking that out, it, it, yeah. I just didn't really know what decisions to make. Yeah. How do you do that? Should I keep doing this with the trumpet? Should I? So my, my youth pastor uh, enrolls me in like a singing com contest with our church. We were at an Assemblies of God church, mm -hmm. and there was this fine arts mm -hmm. festival they did every year. So they, they put me in in this singing contest. I was just there to sing in the youth choir. I wasn't there to sing a solo. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and so I get up uh, with the group and they, they say, hey, uh, Adam, uh, you're, you're, you're on for a solo. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't have a song. <laughs> and so then our youth pastor uh, said, someone have a song? They had cassette tapes, tracks back right, then, you know. Right. Somebody said, here, here's a, a Crystal Lewis, Lord, I Believe in You. Oh. It was the year that all the girls were singing Crystal <laughs> Lewis, Lord, I Believe in You. And so I got up and I was the only dude that sang the girl song, you know. And so I sang the song. I was scared out of my mind. It was honestly the first time I had ever sang a solo publicly. And I was scared out of my, my mind, but I felt the Lord ministering through me. And I felt like just an anointing for ministry. And uh, they advanced me to nationals. Wow. So, wow. so then a few months later, I'm in Orlando, uh, uh, Florida, at, a, at a, the AG Fine Nationals Fine Arts thing. Uh -huh. And the same thing happened when I was with your brother David. Um, I think Natalie Grant was leading worship. I don't even know who was speaking. And I was I had this little personal altar call with the Lord. It was almost like, you know, sometimes you're like, was it was it audible or was it not? Mm. It, uh, that doesn't matter. Right. But I knew that the Lord was speaking to me in that moment. Mm. And he said, Adam, give me symphony. Mm. And I said, God, I know what that means. <laughs> it, you know, I had been moved for seven years of my life. I've been <laughs> doing this thing. And I knew that there was this calling thing hanging over my life. I didn't know how to work, walk it out. The Lord said, give me symphony. So that next week, I was supposed to go back to uh, Tacoma to audition, like um, sort of a de facto audition. They had already placed me to be the principal that coming year, wow. uh, and I had worked my way up to the top orchestra. We were going to do Carnegie Hall and a few different things that year, mm. and uh, the Lord said, give me symphony. And, mm. and it took me 15 minutes to get out of my chair. It was like I felt this weight, like I just, am I really going to give this up? And so I walked forward, and then I heard, heard the Lord speak to me again, and he said, Adam, if you give me symphony uh, and trust me with this, I'll open up doors in your life musically that you never thought possible. Man. It was as clear as day. It was like I could sense the Lord talking to me. So I had this little personal altar call with the Lord. And so I, I, I purposed in my heart that I wasn't going to go back to the audition, and I was just going to give it to him. So instead, I started um, serving uh, at the local church doing, um, we had an inner city uh, kids ministry. We would bus in kids, 
to uh, from from Hilltop in Tacoma uh, to come into the, the the church, and all my friends, my my teachers, my maybe even family members, they thought I was crazy, you know, like. Wow. But I just I gave it up. I, I just gave it to the Lord, uh, and so I. But I didn't give up music. I, I, I just became more involved at church. I became more involved with leading worship. Uh, my music, it, it became less about me and what I want and more about what Jesus wants. Mm-hmm. And it became more about for others yeah. and not about for me. And so I just sort of applied everything I learned in that seven years yeah. to other instruments. And then the Lord set me on a path to doing what I'm doing now. Wow. It was a long story, wow. man. But so no, awesome, I love hearing that. I was... You know, last, so last week I did an episode where it was just me and I had my some people in my family ask me questions. And one of the questions my auntie Chrissy asked me was um, it was about risks. What was, she asked me, what was the greatest risk you've taken and the reward that came with that? And just hearing your story, um, it makes me think about risk. And I don't know. I feel like it, I'm I've never asked this question before to any of you guys, but I'm curious, and we can start with you, Adam. You talked about hearing God's voice um, and hearing whatever it is that you heard. I want to ask you, what does God's voice sound like to you? When when you say, I heard God speak to me, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I feel like God speaks to us in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. And the longer you walk with God, the more you realize that he's constantly talking to you. Mm-hmm. And he speaks through, first and foremost, the word of God. And then beyond that, I think there are, there are scriptures in the word that even talk about how uh, God kind of set things in motion. He put the law even in, in our hearts, but like even creation speaks of. Like, so God's always speaking. He's speaking through everything. He yeah. speaks through people. Uh, he speaks through our family members. He's, you know, if, if, we'll, if we'll open our, our heart, open our ears to listen. Um, some of... Some of you know, uh, some of the most amazing times in my life where um, I felt like I had a personal audience with the creator of the universe mm. were in those moments where I needed um, I needed a father to just kind of speak to my heart and really just love me where I am. And so I think God is so personal that it's different for everybody. Yeah. For others, for some, some people I've heard, you know, they'll they'll say that, you know, God sounds like 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 their wife or, or like their mom or their grandma or you know because because I think the Lord I think the Lord knows our address he knows he knows our heart he knows the environments that made us he knows the circumstances that we that we live with and he knows how to just go, speak right to your heart right it's 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 like uh, some some people say that you know the Lord speaks through dreams I just think the Lord if, if you if you open your ears, to hear Jesus even said him who has ears to hear let him hear uh you know I think the Lord's always speaking so for me it um it's not necessarily like like I'm hearing an an external voice it's like everything in my being knows that this isn't me like that that God is talking to me right it's it's I think sometimes it sounds like I think the Lord can can even um speak to you like in your thought space, right? Like yeah. I think he uses a sanctified imagination. Mm. I think that he, right? I yeah. think that sometimes, sometimes uh, it's like if, if you get the word in you and and, uh, and, and and Jesus sounds like Jesus, right? God sounds like God. Mm-hmm. So like if, if you get the word in you and you get to know the Jesus of the Bible and you get to, you, you read and hear the stories, uh, you, you see how Jesus interacted with people, you see how he related with people. Oh you begin to realize that the Lord speaks the same way to you in your life, mm. right? Yeah. And so it never contradicts the word, but it, it, it's always in alignment with, with who Jesus is in the Bible. Right. And so for me, it's like when you eat the word and it's in your, in your life, mm. like, like you just you, you see God everywhere. Mm. You see him in everything, yeah. right? That's so interesting. Good, I, uh, I've talked about this book that I read um, by, uh, it's actually written by a, producer named Rick Rubin um, and he's he comes to things from a secular point of view I, I'm not sure what his faith is but he his book is about creativity it's called the creative act have you read it by chance I haven't read that okay. but I, I, I know who he is yeah. well yeah. so the I guess the the core of the book is that Rick Rubin believes the the root of creativity is awareness. And he talks about how 
his creative approach is based on being aware of the universe around him. And he, he says that the universe speaks to me. Um, and, but I do find similarities between that and what you're saying in that God can speak to us through all of creation. He's not limited by an audible voice. He's not limited by even just a written word. There's all kinds of avenues that God is speaking to us always. And I think it's a muscle that we have to train to be able to be aware of the voice of God. Yes. um, I've, I've, I've also experienced, I love that question and I love what you said. Um, I've experienced God speaking when I was going through the deepest pain or some of the darkest moments. Uh, Cause oftentimes we think, man, God is only speaking when he's performing miracles and you know, th- things supernaturally, but he even speaks while we're going through some of the most def- devastating experiences. Um, you guys remember that old song and he walks with me mm-hmm. and he talks with yeah. me, you know, he tells me that I'm his own. Um, and, through just the different circumstances that we face. A lot of times it's through circumstances and like what you said, it's through people. You know, your story about, um, it just makes, you were were connecting the dots because I've always, you're one of these rare people that, you know, we we may not see you or hear from you for a couple years, but we'll hear what you're doing and I always feel like, man, do you guys hear what Adam's doing now? Remember when you started uh, leading worship at this huge church in, in Las Vegas? That's right, ICLV. ICLV. <laughs> you know, just other things that now it's it just it makes total sense. I mean, God's hand has been on your life, even in that living room when you were playing your trumpet for us. Um, but I just I'm I'm just so inspired by the way you've just trusted God, even when you felt um, insignificant and you know we always we, through the journey of life man we're always battling with insecurities and man I'm not good enough always, but there's man. there's still that moment where you're like man I'm just you know you've always trusted God that's been so obvious and, and it's just it encourages me Josh I love the question how does God speak and even what Uncle John was saying you know sometimes I hear him in the dark times and I wonder if it's because that's really when I'm listening I mean, he's always speaking, like Adam said. But when you, <laughs> at least for me, in my the depths of my pain, why is it that I can hear God? Because I'm stopped. Because I finally surrender and wow. realize, dude, I can't do squat. Um, and I even went in my anxiety of just trying to figure stuff out and going 100 miles an hour, God's always speaking. Always I'm just yeah. not listening. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm just not obeying. Mm. A lot of times I hear him, but I'm like, no, no, okay, I, I, no, no, God. I, I don't say that, but that's how I live my life. Like, no, nah, there's another way. Yeah, that I, I know I've prayed to God, God, help me. And God has told me something specifically, but I don't like what he's told me. So I'm like, no, I'll, 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 I'll keep, you know, I want to pray to change God's mind. And yet prayer doesn't change God. It changes us, right? So I, I love that. The question of how do you hear God? Because I feel like for re- for listeners or watchers, people who watch, it's simple, but it's not easy. I mean, you have to put. I have to put myself in a place to hear God. Yeah. Nature. I mean, dude, I can look at that tree. I was passing by a church to my left. I was on a phone call, and I was there. there it's a personal story of mine where I go to to every Saturday to this church when I'm when I'm in town. Mm-hmm. But for the 25 years that I've lived here in Franklin, every time I'd pass through, I'd never I'd never even noticed that church mm-hmm. until I needed it. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, it's the same way God, people might be saying, God's never spoken to me. Well, my, and I don't mean this in a shameful way. Have you ever stopped to listen, wow. to ask God, God, could you speak to me? Mm-hmm. And it does, sometimes he'll speak to you immediately. I mean, I'm, he's speaking to me right now. I, I think, Adam, through your story, what he's reminded me is the importance for families to surround themselves, to, to go to church, to really seek out, like, you know, for mom yeah. and your mom. I know, you know, we don't have to talk about it, but your your parents went through a divorce when you were younger. And just to see you now, and I'm not saying that everything was great. I don't know the pain, but I know this. 
you guys kept surrounding yourselves with godly people, with God's word. You follow Pastor Dave. When Dave's in, go to Seattle, go to a Samoan church. And I just want to encourage, you know, somebody listening or watching right now, and you feel dry, you feel maybe your family's in a desperate need. Man, practice going to church. Practice putting your family in a situation where you're praying. And it doesn't mean things are going to be perfect. It just means you don't have to live uh, in the, the chaotic state forever. That you're going to know Jesus is with me. Jesus is here. But how can you know that if you're not putting yourself in a position to be fed with the word of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing constantly of the word of God. So, man, that's what God is speaking to me today, reminding me, dude, when I do devotion in the morning, even though sometimes it feels like a checklist, yeah. it's more than that. Mm -hmm. I'm putting myself in a position to hear what God is saying. That's great, Dan. I, um, for me, one of the ways I can, when I look back on my life, one of the ways that I find that God has spoken to me is through music. Um, and I feel like, Adam, you're a great guy to ask this question to as being a worship pastor. Yeah, and, sure. uh, this for is it. for all of you guys as well. But there are certain things about church life that um, are they're so ubiquitous in this is just how what church is. And to me, part of that is music. Church has always been associated to me with music. It's funny to me hearing your story about your the competition that you were in because I feel like there's stories like that all over of like, yeah, I never did music, but then I went to church and they put me in front of the keys That's or maybe right, sing a song. Like, I feel like church is a hotbed of, of music. And um, even secular artists, I can hear secular artists today and be like, wow, I, they definitely grew up going to church because just I can hear it in their music. Yes. So my question for you is, and for all of you all, is what is the role of music in our faith? Man, that's a great question. Great question yeah. I think music connects all of us. Mm -hmm. Not only is it, I, I was just talking with, with some buddies uh, just the other day about music as a language, right? Mm -hmm. like, me, like every language on earth has a written code. It has a spoken code. You know, there are there are things that you say that, you, that you're not saying. You can read between the lines. Music connects people, and, and people can kind of talk with music. But I think there's also, I mean, you can go deep with it. Uh, there's, even, uh, there's even physiological things that happen to us when we listen to music where sure. certain walls in your brain, like, actually get bypassed. Like, music just has a way to get right to the core of who you are. And I think that's why... Some people listen to the music that they listen to because they want to identify with either their pain or they want to identify with their faith or they want to identify with, you know, uh, fitting in. Whatever the reason is that they're listening to music, there's something about that music that is moving them. And there's something about that music that they want to agree with. And so I think music in the context of church is, is a, it's an amazing way that we can all be essentially one united in something we're united in worship we're united in fellowship uh, where we can actually harmonize we can sing together there's even another physiological thing that happens i didn't plan to get all deep but no, there's even it. another thing that happens with resonance mm -hmm. you know like we're all singers like when we sing our vocal cords resonate and there is a there is actually a thing called sympathetic resonance where if i were to sing a sing a note Ah, there's something in your body that is actually vibrating wow. and you want to sing along. Mm -hmm. I think God made us that way mm -hmm. because he knew that music would be important. It would be an important way for us to connect. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could even gr grab an acoustic guitar here and uh, amplify it and, and strum it. And eventually, uh, you know, you can actually play a pure tone. And then you could actually sing through the strings, and then it'll amplify what you're singing through wow. the, the resonating That's frequency of the guitar. And I think that happens with music. I think that it has a way of connecting us, and yeah. so I, I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. yeah music is, is powerful. That's awesome, Adam. We just got back yesterday from uh, a weekend in Florida. We were in Boca Raton. And uh, Sunday morning, we were at a uh, church called uh, All Nations.
and uh, two services back to back. And we were so uh, excited that they gave us the entirety of the services. And so we've been doing this songs and uh, stories, hymns and stories, so hymns. And the second service, there was just this uh, move of God, the strong presence of the Lord in the, in, in the sanctuary. And we were trying to uh, stay with our program, you know, our set list. And we got to a section where the audience was responding a certain way. And uh, so I looked at our our sound engineer, Joey and Ted, who runs our visuals. I just kind of gave them a motion. And obviously they were so far away, I couldn't use words or I couldn't text. And they, it was pretty interesting how powerful music can be. They sensed the same thing. Basically what I was trying to communicate was, hey, let's hold off on this um, audio video thing that we're supposed to play and just just let the moment let it be yeah <clears throat> and they understood it and uh we are coming out of the song that is so familiar right now in worship communities called gratitude mm. and we just kind of let it simmer and just let the people just have a moment and uh music does that mm -hmm. you know it, it allows them to connect on a on a different level you know throughout the course of a service and uh so I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, music is able to minister to people in all kinds of ways. Yeah. The pastor texted me yesterday from the church, and um, normally on Mondays, you know, we'll communicate with the people who are just, thank you for having us. And, man, she said something that uh, spoke to my heart that I hadn't heard, and hopefully it's happened, but somebody just didn't articulate. She said, Joe, so many testimonies of God's healing yesterday. Mm. And we didn't, we didn't do like a healing service or, hey, we didn't lay hands on people. But it reminded me, oh, man, God's power, man, just through worship and music brings healing. And I know I could sense it because, I don't know, like Jesse said, it was so powerful. And, you know, when you see certain people responding, when you have done it as long as we have, you know, man, God is doing something. Mm, in the, I yeah. mean, there's these people that... They're having their personal altar, altar calls with God throughout the service. Yes. And you know, I mean, it's that God is doing that. It's not the sound. It's not, it's, it's God through the music. It's amazing to, 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 to see healing through music. I think we, we saw the power of music uh, on display even during the lockdown when COVID happened. You're right. And for us, we had 70 shows either cancel or postpone. Um, in the matter of two weeks. Um, and I'm sure artists across the board had to cancel shows because of, you know, the pandemic. But yet, <clears throat> everybody was on their devices. I mean, I know we we kind of went online and started doing things probably every other day, um, presenting our music online. It was powerful. And you're talking about their, their words, um, associated with music whether it be harmony or unison and all those words are basically coming you know they, they they have a meaning a definition of coming together being being in one accord mm -hmm. and that's what that's what music does yeah. you know um some of my most memorable concerts are when we've been overseas like people don't even speak english mm -hmm. we were in guatemala wow. city one time and um <clears throat> we we had to learn. They asked us. The prom promoter said, "Man, would you if you can do at least seventy-five percent of your show in in uh, Spanish? That would really relate. You know, you would relate to the people." We got five percent. That's we a did, lot. Yeah. So we did. We did two records. Five percent is a lot. <laughs> we did. We did two records with Goatee, and we translated both the entirety of those records yeah. in Spanish. So man, we had a we learned maybe fifty percent of the show, and but it was powerful because even though we didn't really speak the language, uh, they were as far as engagement. I mean, there were probably some. I would put some of those shows at the top of my list of just. I mean, that's what music does. Yeah. Whether or not we really understood what we were singing, um, it, they they just they were singing word for word. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, I think music is one of the great mysteries and miracles of God's creation. It's like, when you really think about it, it's baffling to think that you can listen to a song 
and it can make you cry. Mm-hmm. Or you can listen to a song, it can give you chills. Or I even think when I'm working out, I listen to a song and it gets me, I don't know, it, it, just hearing the sound, like on a very physical level, can change, like you were saying, Adam, it can change my physiology. I, I, I feel things. And this is, I'm probably going to butcher this, but I went to a, a, a Christian college. And so I didn't major in Bible or theology, but everyone who went there, you have to take a certain amount of theology courses. And I remember Theology 101, um, one of the things my professor shared with us was how that it's impossible for humans to speak correctly about who God is because human language is limited and God is limitless. And I don't know if that makes sense. That's how I remember what he said it. But I think it's... But have you ever heard Steve Harvey introduce God? (laughs) 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 Oh, man. I knew something was coming. Watch the YouTube. It's on YouTube. Anyways... It's impossible for us to use language to to speak correctly of who God is, but I do think there's something about music that is, there's somewhat of a language in music, and that even without words, I can maybe get a a glimpse of who God is through music sometimes. Mm. And I don't know if, obviously we're music people, so we appreciate that a lot, but I think people who grew up in houses where music wasn't a part of their lives or it's just not uh music is not what it is for us they still can understand that and they can feel that and i think that's a miracle i honestly do so um well said man thank you yeah thanks for talking about music with me that was kind of a selfish question for myself but um I want to ask you, Adam, a question. So I used to do this podcast. It was just a one-on-one thing. Over the last few months, we've been doing kind of this panel format. But when I was doing the one-on-one podcast, there was a question that I would ask people, um, not all the time, but often. And I feel like I want to ask you this question. Okay. Because I love talking to people about their dreams. Mm-hmm. What are they dreaming about? What's their uh What's that thing off in the distance that it's a vision for you? I'm dreaming to have this or be this or do this. So I want to ask you, what are you dreaming about right now, Adam? That is an amazing question. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that because there's actually something that, I'm, that I am dreaming about that is actually connected to my, my actual dreams, mm. like my dr- sleeping dreams, wow. which is interesting. You know, some people, they have dreams and it's just, you know, like the, the pizza they ate the night before or... <laughs> Or it's, you know, you can look at the, the psychology of dreaming. It's maybe the unconscious, sub, like maybe you processing things. Maybe it's it's you thinking through a solution of something that, that you can't figure out in, when, you know, you're just going about life. There are moments in life where I have, when, coming back to God speaking, there are, there are moments that I've had in my life or dreams that I've had in my life that that are like so... Like, I couldn't dream that if I wanted to. There's nothing that I've seen or watched on TV that would actually, like, spur that kind of, like, a thought, like, where the Lord, like, shows up and he gives me something. Like, and so I had this dream. Um, And and, and really, this doesn't happen all the time for me, but there have been, like, key moments in my life where the Lord, like, moved me from from one city to another city because of a dream. And it was, like, so undeniably the Lord speaking to me that it was like not just a dream. Like it's just hmm. like there's a sense about it. Like this is not just a dream. And in fact, I, I had one such dream uh, that took me from that church I was at in Las Vegas to the city of Portland. Uh, Portland wasn't on the map. I thought I'd be coming back home to Tacoma. Mm-hmm. I had a dream where, where uh, my wife and I were gonna, getting married again. Uh, which was a, it was a beautiful time in our life, uh, you know. Like every marriage, you know, you go through stuff. You got to work it out. Like we were in that season, and so we we had come on the other side of working it out, and it was a it was a great time. The Lord said that uh, in a dream we were going to get married again, which was just a, a symbol of us just just recommitting to one another, you know. And uh, and in the dream we were going to have a reception in Portland. Well. That led to a beautiful season of ministry at a church that I didn't even know existed, you know, that we found in real life. And, 
it became an amazing season. Wow. And we ended up finding the girl that we would adopt as our daughter. Wow. Which is crazy. I never would have met. We never would have met Annika if we hadn't listened to that dream and, and did the dream. Wow. Right? And so wow. it's like, I know some people listening might you know, think that's crazy or that God can't speak in dreams or whatever. Uh, I know some pastors that would tell me that. But it, it was, you know, uh, just real talk. Like that was... In, in my mind and in my heart, that was a moment where God spoke to me through a dream, yeah. and it took me to a place that we would find a girl that would eventually be uh, our adopted daughter. Wow. We adopted her at age 31. Wow. No, what? Wow. 26. She's, she's turning 31. Yeah. We adopted her at age 26. She aged out of a foster care system um, at, uh, at 19 and uh, extended foster care a few years after that, but she didn't have a family of her own. The Bible says that God puts the lonely in families, mm-hmm. and nobody outgrows the need for family. Mm-hmm. She was already a part of our life, and so we brought her into our life, uh, uh, stood before a judge. And the beautiful thing with adult adoptions, people don't know this is a real thing. If you're an adult, you can, you can choose who wow. your parents are. Wow. You don't choose the first go-around, but the next go-around you can yeah. choose. So it's redeeming all around. Mm-hmm. So that – so, so – uh, that wasn't what I was going to talk about, though. No. Uh, that was just a, Beautiful. that was extra. But so I had another such dream. This comes back to your question. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is going to sound crazy, and I don't even think I've told any of you this, but three years ago, I had a dream. Only time in my life that Jesus showed up in my dream, where it was, it was Jesus. <laughs> uh, like, it was amazing. He handed me three pieces of paper. And in the dream, the three pieces of paper was a Bachelor of Arts, a Master of Arts, and a doctoral worship degree. Now, I had not, I didn't have school on my mind. I didn't have education in my wheelhouse or even in my, my I, it wasn't on my, 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 my vision goals or my dream maps or anything. It wasn't, it literally was just this random dream that I got that ended up not being random. Uh, I had I had been working with a school in Tacoma called Faith International University, and I still work at that school. Um, I serve as the director of communications and uh, strategic partnerships there. Um, and that dream actually unlocked a road that I didn't know I would be walking on. You know, through the years being a worship pastor, people would always say, "Hey, you should start a school of worship, or mm-hmm. you should raise up people, or we love the way you guys worship, man. You should raise people up, or whatever." And so I always had that that in the background that we would uh, do that, but I didn't know when. So this dream, the first, the the, the page, the pages that Jesus handed me in the dream, <laughs> so crazy. The first class, I had the whole class list of all of the things, and you know, now mind you, I twenty years now I had been leading worship without a degree, right? It just, but the Lord had something specific for me because he he has an assignment for me. And the first class was called The Life of Mary. I knew immediately that he was talking about Mary of Bethany. You know, she was the one that poured the alabaster jar, and uh, Jesus said that her story would be told for the rest of time, right? So I said, okay. I woke up from the dream. I went to go write it down. The first, uh, the only one I could remember was that. The rest were, like, blank from my memory. Like, I just couldn't remember it. And I prayed, and I said, God, what were the rest of those classes? Is this, for, is, this, is this from you? Is this for real life? Like, just trying to wrestle through all that. And I felt like the Lord in that moment just gently just nudged me and said, Adam, uh, do the life of Mary and the rest will come. Mm-hmm. So three years after, I kind of have filed it away. You know, sometimes you don't know what to do with the right. dreams you get. Right. Um, and I think a seed was planted in my heart that day to, to start a school of worship. Wow. And so three years later, to the weekend, um, my wife and I had stepped down from a church that we had been serving at out of obedience to actually launch a school of worship through wow. Faith and Nash University. Wow. And so from January until now, we've been doing the life of Mary, just sitting at his feet, wow. just spending time with him, reading the word, building a, a whole curriculum. Uh, and the first classes are being launched this fall. Wow. It is crazy. Man. So that is like even the real life dream is just, you know, I, I have... I have such a heart and such a desire, and I know you guys share in this this desire to see sons and daughters raised up, mm-hmm. to see people uh, get a hold of Jesus for their life and for others, right? To, to see people understand the difference between performance mm. and worship, because there is an aspect of performance, there's an aspect of communication with what we do when we're leading people, but it's not about that. 
right? Like mm. the heart of worship is, is what we're after. And so it's the Lord just kind of set me on a, a new path where we're, we're going to do the, we're going to do the dream again, man. Praise God. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. That's so cool. Um, I love that. I love hearing about people's dreams. And I actually recently read uh, Sigmund Freud's The Interpretation of Dreams. Okay. And that was a tough read, <laughs> but it's fun hearing you talk about uh, hearing uh, how God can speak to you through, through your dreams. But as we finish, there is a, um, a, a recurring theme that we've had in this podcast. And one thing I've learned about my family in particular is that a strong love language in the Katina family and really my, my life in general is words of affirmation. And um, there's a, a theme to the show that Uncle Yeti actually brought this up, that he always heard that it's best to leave people with an encouraging word. And so, Dad, this morning, I'm going to ask you to end us, if you could leave Adam with an encouraging word and bless him from our family and affirm him. Wow. Man, awesome. thanks, Josh. Adam, I'm looking at your um, your water, what do you call that? Flask. Flask. Yeah. And uh, just the... Uh, I love it. I love that upper room. Um, I can tell that. Yes. Yes. Let give let give up a shout out, a plug for yeah. the school. Uh, that's awesome. So uh, I'll turn it here, so you all can see this. Uh, I I work for a school. It's called Faith International University, and it's in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, we're a little uh, building um, with a with a big impact. So we, we're we're on Pearl Street down. Y'all remember. Down by Point Defiance, uh, but we we have an online school uh, that is that is amazing, and we work with schools of ministry all over the country. And so, thanks, yeah, it's a great That's place. Awesome. Absolutely, thanks for being here. And uh, I, I saw the upper room there, and I I'm, I'm really encouraged just by hearing you. Uh, as we as John texted Josh and said, "Hey, just so you know, Adam's like a an adopted nephew of ours." And man, we're so proud of you proud of uh are you the oldest grandchild of the Odegaards or I'm I am the oldest born grandchild oldest born yeah. okay and obviously there's a, been a call on your life and again as we discussed you've been through the the mountaintops and the valleys like we all have uh but I appreciate the time you've spent in the upper room because it is making way for room for you right now. And uh, this morning, our church is going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we were in the hard reading of Matthew 7, where it says, you know, there's coming a day when people will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things in your name? And, and God said, well, yeah, you did, but I never knew you. Well, I want to say to you, just being around you, I can tell you spent time with God. God knows your name. And even as you're doing great things, even after you're, as you're doing the dream, continue to do the life of Mary. Come on. Pouring his alabaster, the alabaster on the feet of Jesus. Uh, because, because of your time with Jesus, uh, it gives other people an opportunity to come to that point where they're not just going to do with Jesus. They're going to be with Jesus because yes. of what you've been with him. And, uh, Man, you've inspired us. Uh, I'm thankful, even though, you know, you're younger. And, and just to hear what you're doing, uh, and God is using you to, to mentor, teach uh, people coming alongside to, to worship, to lead in worship. And, yes, there is a, uh, an aspect of performance. And I love that about you because I know you're all about excellence. You were talking about leading worship with your trumpet on the side. And, hey, it doesn't hurt to be a phenomenal a performer. That's also a gift. But man, lives are changed. Uh, dreams are realized because of uh, who we are in our character. And God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And uh, nephew, thank you. Thank you for uh, wow, inspiring you so us to you. continue to spend time in the upper room. Come on. Adam, we love you, bro. Thank you for being here. Um, I wish we had more time, but hopefully we'll be able to do this again one day yeah, and we'll hear anytime. all about uh, what, what the next dream is and how, <laughs> how everything's going. So Woo! thanks again for being here. 
Love thank you, man. Josh. Thanks, Uncle. Yeah. To those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day.